Well, I had my sermon finished yesterday and I was coronationed out. So I came downstairs and flipped on the television and lo and behold, another shooting. And I sat in front of the television just totally blown away, excuse me, totally gobsmacked by what I was listening to and viewing and a great anger welled up inside me yet again, but at the same time, like all of you, a certain anesthetized, I was anesthetized by what I was seeing, numb to another senseless group of deaths. And when I woke up this morning, and found out that nine people have, had been killed and seven others wounded, and that was at 5 a.m. this morning, I was absolutely sickened, like all of you. And I kept thinking to myself, how do we make sense of this? But also, how does this event or events, because it wasn't the only mass shooting this weekend, how do they play into who we are as followers of the risen Christ and, and to the gospel stories or the stories that we hear today, especially the stoning of Stephen. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Stephen, he, we don't often talk about the book of Acts. It's really only used during the Easter season. But Stephen had a special place in this story. He is the first deacon because earlier in the book of Acts, he saw that the, the widows in the group were not being treated fairly. They were not getting enough to eat. So they tasked Stephen with making sure that that didn't continue to happen. Thus was born the diaconate, that deacons serve, and in the order of ordination or the order of who we are as Christians, we have laity, who play a very important role, of course, deacons who work in the world, but also visit the sick and the hungry and the poor. And finally, we have the priesthood, which is a sacramental calling. So I thought that the story of the stoning of Stephen was very apropos for today because the reason that he was being stoned was the Sanhedrin disagreed with what he was telling them. What they leave out in this story, and we get such a small portion of the life of Stephen, is that he was basically schooling the Sanhedrin in the whole uh, life of prophets, starting with Moses and all the way through to Jesus. And because the Sanhedrin thought of themselves as experts, they didn't like it very much. I can hear them mumbling to one another, who does he think he is? We know what we're doing. We know what's right. We are the educated ones. He knows nothing. Who is he? So a mob mentality takes over, just as happened with the crucifixion of Jesus and they run him out of town, 
and they stone him to death. And he sees Jesus sitting, standing at the left hand of God and he says, forgive them, they know not what they do, words to that effect. Just the same words that Christ uttered from the cross. The story is so compelling because it's not only about an innocent, yet another innocent, who's killed needlessly because he dared to disagree with the authorities, but it also calls into question what do we do when someone disagrees with us? What do we listen for? How do we interact with someone who is to us so utterly wrong? Last night I started reading Anne Applebaum's latest book, Twilight of Democracy. And I know she writes for The Atlantic, and I thought, well, I, I read that magazine, so she must think like me. Well, lo and behold, I opened the book and I started to read, and I found out she is a Republican. <laughs> I knew one person would be happy. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to read this. And then I thought, no, you are going to read it. First of all, you paid $25 for it. But second of all, if we don't entertain what the other side tells us, how can we ever have a fruitful dialogue? We become so siloed in our beliefs that we can't possibly entertain the idea that someone says something we might agree with. For those of you who are not familiar with Applebaum, she lives in Poland with her husband. He's a, he was a government minister when she was writing the book. She said she lost friends when Poland became a democracy because some of them wanted to stay with communism and others wanted to move far left and go to total liberalism. She wanted to do, like all Episcopalians, the middle way. She said she lost friends that way. People that she would have over for dinner or meet for coffee wanted nothing to do with her. And the same was people that disagreed that were friends was the same, she said. Not just her friends, but the circle of friends that they broke bread with, entertained with, laughed with. She was despondent, like so many of us are when we lose a friend through a misunderstanding. What I learned in studying this story in Stephen, of Stephen, is if the Sanhedrin had listened for one moment, he wasn't saying anything about them. He was merely telling them what he knew about the prophetic voices that had followed, gone before Jesus. He wasn't trying to tell them that they were dumb or stupid or ignorant. He was just affirming what they already knew, but that it was a new voice was what they found so annoying. We live in a country, and I don't have to tell you this because I know I'm preaching to the choir. 
We live in a country that is so divided. Like Ann Applebaum, maybe you have had friends that have stepped away from a relationship with you because you disagree politically. There's no such thing anymore as being able to disagree agreeably. It's all or nothing. You either agree with me 100% or you are on the other side and I want nothing to do with you. Well, that is not how a civilized society acts. And that, I believe, is why we have such violence among us. A ball goes in a neighbor's yard, they come out with a gun. You get into the wrong car, you're shot. Why are we so on edge? People tell me, I go into a store and I wonder where is the nearest exit. Because if I have to run, I want to know where I'm going. We ought not live like this. This is not the paradise that God has intended for us. And as I said before, we have a sickness with guns. We think they are the be-all and end-all. And for some of us it is because once you pull that trigger, for some people it is the end of their lives. And I'm just going to put it out there and you all can hate me. You can send me emails, but what in the world does somebody need with an AR-15? It serves no purpose. It's a weapon of war. And when we sell them to whomever walks through the door, that is a crime and that is a travesty. And like all of you, I am tired of it. I don't even know what to say anymore. I don't know what to think and I certainly don't know what to feel. But collectively, if we all stand up and not just talk about it, but we actually do something, that is the way we will end this scourge that is taking away the lives of all of our citizens. We don't have to agree with one another. We don't even have to like each other. But we do have to respect the dignity of every human being and the dignity of life. So I ask you to join me. I don't know what to do, like I said. But I think coming together, we can do something, whether it's marching to Washington, sending letters, making phone calls. I'm calling on all of us to stand up. Thank you. Thank you. And say, we have had enough, and we're not going to accept this way of life any longer. So will you please join me? Will you talk to me? Will you help me come up with ideas? Because we can't do it alone, but we can do it together. And hopefully we can stop all of this, whether it's the last shooting at a mall, or the last stoning of Stephen, we need to stand together and not let anyone get in our way. Amen.